1: And Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host.
0: Welcome to another exciting edition of the Pro Wrestling Index only on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. We are hyped and excited because Liverpool are moving on to Wembley, and uh, I think everybody on the panel can share in my excitement tonight, and of course, those members include my co-commentating colleague right here on this program, Mo Chatra. Mo, how you doing, my friend? How you feeling after that big win?
2: Wow, relieved, excited, and um, thankful that we've got the Welsh parallel Joe Allen on our side.
0: (laughs) And, uh, and of course, joining us once again, this man needs no introduction,
3: Dave Hendrick. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, Matt. I'm, um, I'm in a far better mood than I was about half an hour ago, um, all down to the, the power of the beard. <laughs> you don't need the power of positivity when you've got that beard. Joe Allen is a beautiful man. Uh, well, listen, everybody, we have
0: a big show scheduled tonight because we have to recap not one but two giant events for WWE Royal Rumble and the Monday Night Raw that we saw this past Monday, which had a lot going on. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. Um, the Royal Rumble emanated from um, Orlando, Florida, and uh, there was some mixed reviews on the show overall. But I think uh, I think many people did enjoy what they had to see. We're going to find out what uh, what our panel thought here tonight. The show opened, of course, once again with uh, with a pre-show. Uh, which was interrupted several times on the network by commercials. And uh, this was a terrible match, in my opinion. We'll see what you guys thought. The Dudley Boys versus The Ascension versus Jack Swagger and Mark Henry versus Damian Sandow and Darren Young. And the winners of this match would move on later on in the evening to be a part of the Royal Rumble. Mo,
2: what was the point of this match, honestly? Absolutely Nothing. I mean, it was just a complete waste of time. Um, No point, really, other than to get a few more people uh, onto the show and um, keep them happy, I suppose. But other than that, um, it just really served no purpose. I mean, if anything, what they should have done was give some of the NXT guys some exposure in front of the Rumble audience. I think that would have been a far more productive use of um, that segment on the pregame show. Um, And you're right, it it was a complete nothing match. Um, full of guys that people don't really care about. And, uh, you know, the fact that it went eight minutes was eight minutes of our, t- our lives that we'll never get back. But uh, there we go. <laughs> Other than Damien Santa, who the crowd did seem to enjoy seeing. Um,
0: Dave, what do you think of this? Did you, did you watch this or were you more enthused with the commercials that were taking place in the middle of the match?
3: I, I really enjoyed the commercials in um, run on a network that people are already paying for. I think that's a really smart business move by Vince, uh, basically doubling up his money. You know, do want to do that, Vince. Don't, don't do both. If you, if you're going to charge people for the network, then don't have commercials. It's it's disgusting. Um, this match was just such a waste of time. Like, you know what would have been better? If, if they'd done a 10-man battle royal with guys from NXT and said that the last two to survive, go to the Rumble. All this match seemed to do was find out who were going to be the two quickest guys to get eliminated from the Rumble. Right. Like Mark Henry, never going to win it. Jack Swagger, never going to win it. The is never going to win it, etc., etc. The Ascension would have been hilarious had they come in. Um, I would have actually preferred to have seen them in the Rumble than, than Swagger and Henry. But here's what really confused me. Darren Young, isn't he part of a tag team? Isn't that like his thing? His whole purpose of being on the roster is because he's part of a tag team. Why is he now randomly teaming with someone else? Well, I don't think Darren Young's
0: done himself any favors. Again, I'm just speculating on this with some of the things that he said and done on social media over the last year, year and a half, calling out WWE on on what he feels their their thoughts and opinions are towards his lifestyle choices that he makes. So I don't think um, he's helping himself uh, here scoring any brownie points, if you will, behind the scenes with stuff like that. So I think that may be part of it. I also think maybe WWE views Titus O'Neil as somebody that they could groom into a a single star. I don't necessarily agree uh, with that at this point. Uh, I thought there may have been potential at some point in the past, but with all the new talent coming uh, through NXT and from New Japan, I don't think... um, He's going to have an opportunity to to, sh- to shine or showcase
3: himself. So oh, I totally agree. You know, I think I totally
0: you know, agree. You
3: know, I think they wasted what, yeah, and I mean they wasted what would have been the Titus O'Neill window with the initial, um, primetime players run. If he was going to be a single star, that was the time to propel him into that role. But Darren Young now, all he's doing is taking up a spot on the main roster that could go to Sami Zayn to. Samoa Joe, to Baron, whatever his name is, I can't think of a surname. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin, Corbin, exactly, etc, etc. You know, (laughs) dare we say, maybe it should go to Finn Balor, who's the most talented guy that's currently healthy on the roster of any WWE programming right now. So, like, for me, if if you're not happy with what Darren Young is doing, just release him. You know, you've released people in the past who've you know, been had this had a similar lifestyle. Um, I, I don't understand what the issue would be. Is it that they're worried that because he's been criticizing them publicly, they'd look bad if they released him now? Like they've they've done this before. If you don't want him, get rid of him or use him properly, but don't be doing what you're doing with him. I, I don't see any value in him. Put him down to NXT if you want to have him about like.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I don't think he's done himself any favors, but again, I, I'm just speculating on it. And, and based on WWE's policy of who they hang on to, who they release, uh, and who they don't, I mean, you saw what they did to uh, a former general manager of Raw uh, a few months back where they fired him for using the phrase cocky pricks in uh, in a promo, which was not on television. And then on Monday Night Raw, we had The Rock Using the phrase llama penis and having it trend worldwide. So, um, those are you know, <laughs> that little inconsistency right there, which I guess we'll talk about more later. Um, all oh. right. So, uh, let, let's move on and talk about the first match of the night that actually mattered last man standing match, Intercontinental Championship. Two of my favorite workers, two of the best professional wrestlers in the world right now Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens. Personally, I thought they tore the house down. I thought this was a great way to open the show and set the tempo for the night. Uh, What say you, Mo, about what we saw?
2: Absolutely superb. Really, really tremendous opening to the show. Um, It's it's, Needless to say, Kevin Owens is just a magnificent worker. Um, One of the top three or four guys in the whole company Um, has been consistently solid, well, more than solid, consistently great ever since he debuted on the main roster um, and had also been very, very good in NXT um, in the short time he was there. Um, it was it was great in that um, both guys went over super strong in the match because of how the match was laid out and booked. Um, so that even though by the end of it, we saw Dean Ambrose retain the United States title, um it wasn't, it wasn't uh, something that in any way impacted on uh, Kevin Owens in terms of his profile uh, on the roster, and he wasn't hurt by it whatsoever. It was just a, a really, really impressive showing, and um, I, for one, would be quite happy to see um, those who go at it a bit more. One of the uh,
0: highlights that I saw from this match, I don't know if either of you picked up on this, but uh, it was around the time that Kevin Owens had crashed into uh, Michael Cole and Cole is, is, is laying in this chair, like, frailing around, I guess, trying to sell this, this shot. And Dean Ambrose is sitting on the commentating table. And he finds an iPhone, presumably Michael Cole's, and unplugs it and tries to hand it to Cole. Have you all seen this?
3: I, I thought it was that, brilliant. Huh? I thought it was hilarious at the time. I didn't realize who it was. I just saw him pick it up and plug, plug it out Yeah, and look, look at it. And then handed it the, across. Handed the, it was almost like he picked it up because it was ringing. and was like, oh, it's for you. And handed it across. <laughs> it was really good. It probably had, like, whatever Vince wanted Cole to say next on it. And he was like, oh, this looks important.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, it's just brilliant from him. And, I mean, this is the same guy that will slap himself in the face to try and wake up from a sleeper hole. So um, uh, just more Great comedic shtick from uh, from Dean Ambrose. I thought they told a really good story. I thought this was a great match, um, a good way to get things started, uh, and, um,
3: and high entertainment as well. Don't you think? Yeah. Though it was it was a really good match, but like eight years ago, how much better is that match than today? Because they can push the boundaries far more. Like there's a couple of great spots in it, but. Like, eight years ago, that match probably headlines a pay-per-view, probably goes 25, 30 minutes, and has far more in the way of, like, big spots and big violence. So, like, I I think you could get so much more out of those two, because, like, as Mo said, like, these are two of the best workers on the roster. They're absolutely elite in-ring despite Owen's appearance, he has no issues really with stamina and Ambrose has none at all. He can go forever. And uh, while I was watching, I was thinking that like, this is really, really good, but oh, I'd love to have seen this match back when they were allowed to push the boundaries.
2: Yeah. I think that some of the uh, constraints to have nowadays are more due to things like the awareness of concussion and stuff like that. So anything to the head, they're always very, uh, wary of and generally try and uh, steer or uh, veer away from that. Um, so certainly chair shops to the head um, as well as other impact moves to the head uh, using things like ladders and tables, um, which we would have seen quite regularly uh, up until about four or five years ago. Um, you know, it is something just don't do nowadays, uh, which is, I guess, fair enough. Um, but, um, yeah, nonetheless, there are certain things about um, – the style from a few years ago, certainly during the Attitude Era, um, that um, a match such as this would have possibly been slightly better in. But one of the things that generally I find um, to be better is, is kind of transitions and reversals um, from one spot to the next, where um, there's uh, kind of a better ebb and flow to a contest than there used to be. Uh, The way that they um, kind of, move from one spot to next, um, is really smart and more sophisticated generally than, uh, was the case perhaps 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and these two guys are very, very good at that. Yeah.
0: I would have to agree. I mean, I think they told a, a really good story without having to, um, light a table on fire or, uh, take unnecessary bumps. And I thought there were some pretty good bumps in this match. Um, So, I mean, right now I would say that, I mean, I know we're early in the year, but I would say this is an early match of the year contender right here because of the work that they did and um, the way they opened that show. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, Let's move on and talk about the New Day versus the Usos. The Tag Team Championship was up for grabs. I was convinced that um, the New Day were going to drop the titles in this match, but that did not happen. And in addition to that, they go over clean with um, Big E getting the pinfall. Um, So the result... Another New Day victory and New Day continues their momentum. Uh, Real questions here about what they're doing with the Usos because as a face tag team, as a baby face tag team, how can they lose clean and once again the New Day get another one over on them and they're still due another rematch. How many more times are we going to see these two tag teams wrestle each other?
2: Well, I think that um, part of the issue is that um, the Usos are such a great tag team in terms of workers that... uh, it perhaps demonstrate that they have less faith in some of the other teams. Um, that being, I mean, uh, the, the Lucha Dragons would have been um, good for this kind of spot on this show. Um, however, with um, Sin Cara getting injured, um, you know, he's out of action for a while. Um, so almost by default, it was these shows that ended up in this spot. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, by having these guys use over and over, Um, against one another, that will once again start to bring a degree of staleness to the division. And that's a a disappointment considering how strong the NXT tag team division is, where they've got a number of really, really solid tag teams. Um, So if if anything needs to happen, I would suggest that they make a move to call up one of the teams um, from the NXT roster um, to spruce up what is becoming quite a stagnant division uh, when it really doesn't need to be.
0: Dave, what do you think?
3: I totally agree. I, th- I think like the, it, the tag team division looked like it was going in the right direction and the injury to Sinkara has brought that to a screeching halt. Of course, they completely blew the um, promotion to the main roster of the Ascension by making them look like jackasses and then having everybody beat the piss out of them that night um, on Raw. So there's really only these two teams. But as you say, how like how can the... The Usos be a babyface tag team when they're losing clean to a heel tag team who are getting just as good of like a, of a fan pop, if not better. Much better, actually, I think. Um, I, I think people are growing bored of the Usos in the same way they're growing bored of Roman Reigns. I think the Usos, given their lineage, just belong as a heel tag team at this point in their careers and I would love to see them and Reigns turn together, and because I, I think if you look at the Shield, I think Rollins came out of the Shield and absolutely flourished. Um, I think Ambrose flourished, then kind of dropped off because they were riding him badly, and it's flourishing again. This program of Owens has been, you know, phenomenal from from the very start. Reigns obviously doesn't have that. He he hasn't really been able to get over with the fans because he's been forced down the troth. he's not the best on the mic although he is getting better and I think we, we've all said this for months, it, it's screaming out for Reigns to turn heel I think it would make the, the heel turn even stronger if he turned with his cousins and then they basically took up doing what the Shield used to do, which is just to run in and destroy people you know Give a quick promo, get over, get out, and that's them off TV for the night. You know they can have their matches, whatever, but we don't need to be seeing, you know, fifteen minute, you know, promo by Reigns and then another match with Reigns that's twenty minutes long. We need to be seeing him and his cousins used properly. I think the Usos just need to be turned, and I think the New Day need to be turned as well. I think I know that the idea was to be. Be clever with them, but I think they're at the point now where you really need to like push them to being a proper babyface team. Maybe even like a chicken shit babyface, if you know what I mean. Where they still have the the quirks that make them a great heel tag team, but they're just more outlandish in their almost like they try too hard to be babyface, if you know what I mean.
0: I just think it feels forced. I think a lot of this uh, is is forced. I think that's – and we'll get into the the Roman Reigns problem a little little bit later in the show. But uh, I think a lot of it's forced. And and I don't understand – You know, if we just talk about the tag team division specifically for a minute, I don't understand why the main roster tag team division feels so gutted, where we have the same three or four teams working together over and over and over again. We have the Dudleys constantly doing the honors for people. We have the Usos and New Day going back and forth um, and the New Day going over, over and over and over again. I agree the New Day should, but um, why not freshen things up a little bit? I'm a big fan of what Dash and Dawson are doing in
3: NFL. Mm, they're a proper old-school tag they team. They
0: really are a proper old-school tag team, and it's exactly what the main roster could use right now. Two guys that come in come in ready to beat the shit out of somebody. One has a little bit more Mm. charisma than the other. One's an enforcer. One's the talker. That's the formula for a great tag team. If you look at the great tag teams over the history of professional wrestling, Mm. that's the formula right there, and they have it. Uh, I don't understand what they're waiting for, unless there are ulterior motives for NXT. Maybe NXT, and and Triple H has sort of alluded to this a little bit, maybe NXT is not a developmental brand anymore. Maybe NXT is something else altogether.
2: Yeah, that's right. It may, maybe it is that alternative and it's no longer seen as um, something that is a route to the main roster but is an alternative, um, which um, is there for fans if if what they see on Raw and SmackDown isn't to their liking. And certainly the interest in, in NXT has grown significantly um, since uh, NXT moved on to the network and um, they have show business just goes from strength to strength, and they are doing uh, regular sellouts, which can't be said for the main roster shows. Albeit the main roster shows generally are booked in much larger arenas. Uh, but yeah, it, it's um, it's a bit odd that um, in, in this particular case, the tag team division in NXT is significantly stronger than on the so so-called main roster. Well, yeah,
0: there's, there's, there's that, there's that, and the um, and the passion. That, that follows mm. the NXT brand, and and I think you know it's it's not hard to figure this out where it's coming from. NXT is doing something that the WWE main roster and writers and bookers there are not doing. They're giving the fans what they want. And when you give the fans what they want, and when you allow stars to to be born organically, this is what you get. You get a product that's far superior, and that's why the NXT product right now is far superior, in my mm. opinion, than, than than the main roster product. Dave, you were going to
3: say. I was going to say, like, the other team I'd love to see brought up is, is Enzo Morey, and Colin Cassidy. I agree. Yeah. Mm, I think, yeah. Like, I think I, Enzo Morey, like, there's, there's something about him that he just has this charisma, this appeal. And I read an interview with him, and it was it's a couple of months old, but he was saying, like, I, I don't know where they went to do a house show. It was overseas somewhere, but he walked out and he went to do his shtick and he said the crowd were beating him to every line, and he just couldn't believe it. Like he was like, "Oh my god! Like I'm, I'm not even on the main roster, and all of these people who shouldn't know me because NXT is what you know. It was in our eyes at the time a glorified developmental for for the main roster, and all of these people are going crazy for me and big cast. They know everything word by word like, and those guys, I think you bring them onto the main roster and they're immediately title contenders like, it's it's so strange that if we look at the top five tag teams in the WWE three of them, at least well, see, three of them are in NXT, the only ones on the main roster are the Usos and, and the New Day, the rest are in NXT, NXT is so much stronger, I don't know what you're saying about you know, they they view it as an alternative, but I think for the talent, the difference is going to be in the paycheck. You know, these guys, to really earn the money that they're going to want to earn, they need to be on the main roster. I can't imagine Vince is handing out huge money to the guys in NXT.
0: Right, and what, what brings up an interesting point as well, um, you know, you say that about Bronson Matthews, Josh from Tough Enough, who now works under the name Bronson Matthews and some of the controversial comments he made. Uh, regarding the social outcasts. I don't know if you gentlemen saw this at all, but uh, last week yeah. while they were on um, on television, he's on Twitter tweeting hashtag social jobbers. Uh, that didn't do him any favors. I believe uh, Cody Rhodes, known as Stardust, tweeted directly at him and said, good luck dressing in the hallway, dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure he was headed to the Royal Rumble for a proper hazing. He was going to draw number uh, five or six, and directly after him would be Bob Hawley. Um, mm. that
3: didn't, that didn't <laughs> happen to my surprise but <laughs> you know <laughs> um, but the the Vought of Villains wouldn't you love to see them in as well absolutely like they're, they're so good there's so many really good tag teams like I you could you know Blake and Murphy there's another one like, these guys are really, really good. And, yeah. like, the comparison I'd make to Dash and Dawson, I think they remind me a bit of Aaron and Ole, just two guys who come to the ring to beat the piss out of people. They, they, there's no fancy gear. There's there's no, you know, big shtick. It's just we come down, we beat Lumpsey, this guy cuts a half-decent promo, this guy stands there looking menacing, and it works. Yeah. It really, really works. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's that's that, that's the formula for great tag teams. Um, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. we got a lot more to cover here on, on the Rumble. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about Del Rio and Kalisto. Kalisto, uh, the new U.S. champion, he's a two-time U.S. champion. Are you guys buying or selling this match? Mo, was it a good match? Are you happy with the decision?
2: Um, yeah, just about buying. I thought it was a good match, um, and it's good to see the company show faith in Kalisto uh, and, um, the match he had um, back in, I think it was December, we had that awesome display in the, uh, I think it was a ladder match or tables, ladders, and chairs match. Uh, we took that amazing bump off the ladder, um, certainly uh, did him favours, and he's been riding Christopher Wave since then with the company. Uh, it's a bit strange, though, that they've decided to um, play hot potato with the US title. It certainly lessens the value of the title when it's switched too soon and it harkens back to the days of Russo when he wanted to switch titles on a weekly basis. Um, so it's strange that they've changed the title for a third time in the last uh, two or three weeks. Um, so I hope now that um, they give Kalisto an extended run with a belt, uh, possibly up through till WrestleMania, and I suspect that prior to that, he will have to defend it against against. Uh, Del Rio at, at Payback but uh, no I thought it was a good match and uh, both, guys, both guys looked good.
0: I've been slightly underwhelmed by uh, Del Rio's work recently I feel like sure, yeah. you know, with all this build and him coming back the way he did I don't feel like he's been utilised properly and I feel like that's starting to weigh on him a little bit and you see in his performances. Dave are you buying or selling this match and the outcome?
3: Uh, I'm buying the match and I'm buying the outcome but I, I'm selling on Del Rio like you are uh, like they're just they're just holding him back so much. This is not the Del Rio that we all like if you're only a fan of WWE then yeah, this may be the Del Rio that you know, but if you've seen his work outside of WWE, you know he's capable of so much more. The guy is incredible and they're just holding him back. They, I don't understand it at all. And they've thrown him from, you know, one gimmick to the other with that Mex American nonsense and then they're this League of Nations garbage. Um with Kalisto, though, the, the guy's he's sensational in the ring. And, and I agree with Moe. I didn't like the way the title went to him and then back to, to Del Rio and then back to him. I would have preferred if he'd been, you know, screwed out of both matches in the build-up and at least built it properly that way. Um, the one thing that whoever is, is writing the shows should have putting in front of them, though, when writing for Kalisto is do not try and make him Rey Mysterio 2.0 because he can be... His own entity. They don't have to do that. Um, I, I didn't like the, the, the spot where they tried to pull the mask off either. Just something about that Fitzrock right, doesn't sit right with me because Del Rio has incredible respect for, like, and they kept b- banging on about it in commentary. Oh, Del Rio should respect the, you know, the luchador heritage more. Well, the thing is, he does, and that's not the type of thing he would do. That's just something they've tried to force. Uh, I don't like it. Like, I think. Kalisto can be a really big star. Um, if if they, they write him and, and book him properly, I, I just have doubts that they will because I think they're idiots.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, <that's, laughs> you know, that's,
0: that's fair enough.
3: I but know. I really enjoyed the match. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed the
0: match. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter say this, and I, I have to agree 100%. And I think it echoes uh, your opinions as well, Dave. Uh, they said, don't try, in regards to Kalisto, don't try and be the next Rey Mysterio. Try and be the first Kalisto
3: absolutely like he he can be like there's a huge market out there for him to just take over like there's an enormous Mexican fan base and Latin American fan base he can take that over by just being himself he can be a huge star in his own right he doesn't have to be Ray. like there'll never be another Ray Mysterio like I don't want to see like my worst case scenario is seeing Calista win the Rumble next year and then, and then win, win the title at WrestleMania, and then get booked to look like a sap for three months, and have the title taken <laughs> off him. You know, déjà vu uh, again. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, we know it's probably it, someone has probably floated that idea. Like, you know, what's really good? Let's let's think about this. Let's have him win the rumble next year. Yeah. yeah. Because mean, yeah.
0: Mean, meanwhile, Daniel Bryan's too small to. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's just a B plus player. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go this is a match that I know you'll be excited about Dave Uh, perhaps you as well Mo we're talking Divas Uh, your girl Becky Lynch uh, involved here Dave Becky Lynch Charlotte Divas title up for grabs Dave what do you think
3: Uh, I thought Becky was really good Um, I think she's a really solid worker I don't think she's spectacular I think, like, she's been around a long time. A lot of people might not know that, but she was around a long time as Rebecca Knox in the Indies and she had a really bad neck injury. She actually retired from wrestling for a couple of years and came home here to Ireland and was going back to college and that and then decided she missed it too much. Um, She's lost a little bit of the athleticism that she had and the crazy moves she used to do back then, but she's still really good in the ring and Charlotte is still really bad in the ring and is just... Uh, For me, I I just don't understand why she's carrying the belt, why she's on the roster. I just don't see that she brings anything. Um, I think the likes of Becky, Paige, most favourites, the Bellas, and, like, you know, (laughs) Naomi, Tamina. I think these are, are women who can wrestle really well. And, obviously, I think the two real stars, the two gems that they have, one of them is Bailey, who's the current NXT champion, and I'm sure we'll see her at some point in the coming months. And the other one is, I think, probably most favorite person on the entire roster at the minute, um, <laughs> Sasha Banks, who, who for me, made that match. I thought the match itself was, was okay. I thought it was, you know, B minus, C plus, that kind of thing. I thought Charlotte botched a number of, of spots, but... Sasha coming out really just blew that moment up. And the crowd went crazy oh, for it. They went it crazy for it. What a pop. Did you mark it? I went crazy. My heart. I skipped think I tweeted to beat,
2: you at the time, it. Matt.
3: That moment's gone crazy <laughs> somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, my heart skipped a beat. It was just a, an amazing moment. Um, and I thought, finally, the Divas revolution is about to begin. Um, Sasha Banks is finally going to get her a chance um, to... Um, move into that uh, divas title picture and uh, compete against champion. And um, it was a great, great angle that they did after the match. And, um, you know, whether it, leads to a match at Payback or even at WrestleMania. Um, Sasha's moment, her big moment, is um, only weeks away, I imagine. And um, when she becomes a champion, and I'm sure she will, it will just be one of the great moments um, of recent times in the WWE. Mm. So I can't wait. Um, I've got to disagree with you, Dave, about Charlotte. I mean, I, th- I think um, she's <laughs> a lot better working than oh. giving her credit for. I mean, she she was... The criticism of her when she came onto the main roster is good worker, but lacks charisma, lacks personality. And in fact, I think she just turned heel. Um, she's developed that side of her um, and her promos have gotten better and her personality has come out more. Um, and I think she's perhaps more suited to playing that heel role. And, um, Isn't she just trying to
3: be her dad, though? Like, is that her personality? I think that's that the just intention? her. But that's the thing. That's not her personality, then. That's just her doing a bad impression of her dad. And I think we need to, to speak about her dad in a couple of minutes and what they're doing to his legacy. But I just, like, <laughs> I, I just there's nothing about her that I, I look at her and think, why are you on the roster and Bailey isn't? You know, why are you on yeah. the roster and Emma isn't?
0: Well, you know, I, I would say that uh, in terms of work, I mean, I'd have to agree with Mo. I think, she, I think she's a pretty damn good worker, actually. But in terms of is she better than some of the girls that we've seen on NXT? Is is she is she a more charismatic worker than Bailey, for for instance? I don't necessarily agree with that. I think I think Bailey is. I think it, it, to answer your question, why is she on the roster first? I have a five letter word for you, Flair. Yeah, that's it, and, and 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 that's it. Um, and and so this is it does her a disservice, and I've said this on this show. A
3: in a couple years. of years, I think she can be good. That's. Where I, I just
0: think it does her a disservice as long as her father continues to be out there. And I
3: think oh. they're
0: they're they're working to find a way to write him out of this thing, like him making that match without her approval. If she had lost the title, that would be one thing. And I think this thing will continue to build, and there'll be a divide and a distrust between them, and it'll be able to, to finally put him to bed. But the, the sooner they get him away from her yeah. on television, the better I think it will be for her career longer.
3: What? Why yeah. is he on television? Like... He Brooklyn. comes out. He take he takes Brooklyn. off his coat. Yeah, that's it. He's Triple H's best friend, and and you know what? It, it, to to use a football comparison, when Brendan Rodgers would play Steven Gerrard every minute of every game, he thought he was doing him this big tribute. In actuality, he was doing him a massive disservice. And I'm sure Triple H thinks he's doing Rick a massive favour by having him on TV every week and getting him his paycheck, but he's doing him a massive disservice. Like the correct way to use Ric Flair for the Rumble would have been to have him come out and shoot a promo with Roman Reigns and tell him what it's like to win the title in the Rumble. Tell him what it takes. And just throw because uh, and the thing is, because he's everybody knows he's buddies with Triple H, he can do it from a heel perspective, yeah. And he can basically tell him like, "You're not me. You're not going to be able to do this." Blah 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 blah. I'm Ric Flair, etc. 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 And that's the correct way to use him. Like there wasn't even any mention of the fact that you like
0: know, that's actually a fascinating point. And one thing that I hadn't thought of, Dave. I mean, you talk about missed opportunities. Here's the only man in WWE history who won up until this point, who won the WWE title in the Royal Rumble. Mm. And And he came in at number three. Yeah, there's no mention of it at all. He's on the actual show, and there's no mention of it. No mention. Nothing Mm. whatsoever. It's as if it never happened.
3: It's like they've tried to write it out of their history. And it's yeah. one of the all time great Royal Rumble moments. Followed by the following year when he gets eliminated and Bobby Heenan starts screaming, That's not fair to Flair! Which will go down in history as one of the great Bobby Heenan moments. Mm-hmm. But they've just tried to ignore it, and that's what they should be embracing.
2: Yeah, I mean, what well, they've got is Rick Flair out there. almost is a. A comedy performer at the moment he goes out there dances to Charlotte's music um, does a few comedy things and um, then goes back Um, certainly not portrayed as the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling Um, nothing close to that Um, but I mean I think there's a couple of other reasons why they use him Um, firstly all the boys in the back absolutely love to hang out with Ric Flair. So to have him around on a Monday night after the show, um, talking about um, whatever he did in that town back in the 70s or 80s, uh, people love that. Um, up and down the roster, and the second thing I think is um, Ric Flair is always in money trouble, um, so he probably needs the money. Um, given the amount of divorces he's had, um, so just to keep up with his payments as well as try and live somewhat of a lifestyle that he used to, um, he needs the money. And I think Triple H can't just. Couldn't uh, they put him on commentary? Off. No, because he'd be awful, and he'd go off script. And, would, he, uh, would he be worse than JBL? You would, you would, actually. Would he really, though? Yeah, yeah, he would, because... Um, Is what, it possible to be If you remember back to the evolution days, uh, at that time, the head writer on WWE was Brian Guertz, and I think that's how you pronounce it. And for a long, long time, he actually banned... Um, Ric Flair from cutting promos on Monday Night Raw, uh, which was incredible. I mean, Ric Flair is one of the great promos in the history of the business, um, but the reason is is that he just kept on going off script and doing his own thing, and um, they just thought, well, we can't let him do that, because we're trying to
3: uh, get people to cut these promos that we script and we write so, for these people. So you, you mean, from, from the WWE point of view, he'd be worse than JBL, not from a fan's perspective where he he might be entertaining
2: yes I mean even if they're feeding him lines um, he won't say anything they're feeding him Uh, but then on top of that you've got to think about his podcasts and uh, those are those are train wrecks so um, you know if if they give him the microphone on a Monday night or a Thursday night on Smackdown uh, chances are he, he won't come across all that well
0: here's one thing I would say too really quick about the commentary thing because I've been I've been somewhat close to the situation with my friend Rich Brennan being replaced on Smackdown by Marlon Ronaldo and I feel like um and now if you've noticed they've done the the pivot the 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 turn with Jerry Lawler where Lawler's healing again Mm. and and to me it just doesn't work because first of all Jerry Lawler's considerably older um, he, he says these jokes, even now as a heel, I heard him on the pre-show, and he was saying these jokes. He made some kind of voicemail joke about Rich Brennan talking about how he caught him backstage earlier shouting into an envelope and thought it was a voicemail. This was a joke that he was telling. This is a oh. man who's still employed by them, telling these jokes now as a heel. Uh, I just don't think that it, 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 it would work, Damn. I mean
3: – you know, the There's point, another guy who's still just there because of the paychecks. Yeah,
0: I mean, you if you if you want to go in a in a in a fresh and new direction in terms of what your commentary is going to be, that you can't have these guys hanging around uh, still wearing the headsets and think that it's going to translate to a new audience because they're just they're mm. just not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. And 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 the last thing I'll say about this before we move on and talk about the Rumble is, you know, something I was thinking about this the other night because with the Rumble being you know right around the corner at the time, I thought about the gimmick Rumble. Uh, from WrestleMania, I think it was WrestleMania 17 when the Gimmick Rumble was there. It was yeah. the last time Bobby Heenan was on commentary for anything. And I think it's a damn shame that WWE didn't utilize more of Bobby Heenan while they still could. Because mm. he was he was a brilliant man and a guy that isn't talked about nearly enough for his contributions to that company and to the business and for what he did on commentary. Um, and so I, I,
3: I, I'd still have him and Monsoon over any pairing that there's ever been.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Mm. They,
3: were, they were just phenomenal together.
0: Well, hey, listen, let's talk about the Royal Rumble. We haven't actually got to the match yet, so here it is. Um, it was one versus all, 29 superstars versus Roman Reigns, Superman, Roman Reigns, the new Superman, John Cena 2.0, John Cena a Jace, uh, any other uh, nicknames you can think of for this guy. Um, and... Uh, couple of big moments that I'll talk about real quick, and then we'll, we'll get y'all's opinion on this. Um, number one, of course, AJ Styles debuting as number three in the Royal Rumble. A massive pop. We saw R-Truth bring a ladder to the ring and climbing up, thinking it was a Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Kofi Kingston lands on Big E to avoid elimination. Um, Rusev splashing Reigns through a table. Sami Zayn entering the Rumble. The Miz on commentary. And uh, Triple H, obviously, winning the Royal Rumble, becoming a 14-time WWE champion. I thought, overall, that this Rumble was booked pretty well. I thought there was some very smart booking, especially the elimination of AJ Styles by none other than Kevin Owens. If you're going to have anybody do it and take the heat, why not have Kevin Mm -hmm. Owens do it? Mo, what did you think of this Rumble overall, your favorite moments, etc.?
2: Overall I thought it was a good Royal Rumble match I didn't think it was a great Royal Rumble match And I'll explain why um, I didn't think it was a great Royal Rumble match Because too many of the people that featured in it um, Were not over with the audience So when they came out They barely got any kind of reaction um, So when Rusev came out early on um, You know as, as number two um, it was barely a reaction because he's far less over than he was even nine or 12 months ago. Um, same with most members of the White family when they came out, barely a reaction. There's just too many deadwood or people that in the last six months have uh, been booked really poorly, and as a result, the crowd care cares less about them than they used to. Um, so I thought that hurt the match and it as a result of that, made the match feel slightly disjointed. I agree that it was booked well in terms of um, the people that were participating within it and in terms of the kind of key storylines going into it and also setting up storylines to come out of the match, as uh, you mentioned with AJ Styles and Kevin Owens further down the line. Um, but that that was the, the kind of slightly disappointing aspect to it. Um, and I, I would have liked to have actually seen... Um, the the nostalgia in me would have liked to have seen maybe somebody from the 80s or the Attitude Era um, just come out and surprise everyone Um, or even if it was for 30 seconds something like that always goes down well we saw the Godfather last year or the year before got a great reaction Kevin Nash turns up from time to time uh, always gets a great reaction so uh, that that was slightly missing from this year's Rumble Um, but overall I agree it was tightly booked and um, certainly set things up quite well uh, for payback and beyond.
0: Dave, what did you think of the Rumble match?
3: Uh overall I thought it was good. I thought it was enjoyable. It it's definitely not one of the, the great Rumbles, but um yeah, well booked overall. Um, they hit the, the key notes I thought. Um I think I think as Mo said Rusev has just fallen off a cliff and like a year ago he was a monster going into the Rumble. And this year, he lasts a minute and 30 seconds. Now, I understand why he had to last a minute and 30 seconds. It was so that Reigns would be in the ring by himself when they introduced AJ. But then you like you look on down, like, Tyler Breeze in it for a minute. Like, what's the point? Why not have... Like, why, why waste a good young talent by throwing him into the Rumble for a minute? Rather than bringing back someone like the Godfather or somebody to at least be funny or the Bushwhackers or anybody just, you know, use that as a comedy spot. Curtis, Ang, Axel. Like what is the point? Like, He shouldn't be on the roster anymore. Like, And you look down and, you know, or through truth, like no point. Um, I really liked, I thought Jericho was, was brilliant throughout, um, I thought there was a couple of, you know, Stardust is always entertaining. I'd love to hear him on commentary because I just think he'd be hilarious. I thought Neville should have got a longer run. Um, and like some of the people, that, the way they're eliminated just didn't really make sense to me. But I, I love the Kevin Owens, Sammy Zane angle. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's going to be, that'll be the next sort of step, won't it? Because, you know, Sammy, that's who he, he has to, you know, get his revenge on. But obviously, the AJ thing is going to take precedence over that. So, I wonder if they maybe re- wasted Sammy and wasted what they're going to do with him now for the next couple of months. Um, but I, I enjoyed the ending. I have to say, like I know it was kind of predictable once Triple H came out that he would win. But you know, it, it, there was just that moment then when he when he threw Reigns out, and you thought, well, maybe they're going to put the belt on Ambrose. Maybe that's what they're going to do here. And maybe then that's what sets up the Reigns turn. And you're thinking to yourself, maybe they're going to do this right. Maybe they're going to put the belt on Ambrose and Reigns is going to come jealous. and Reigns is going to turn and then Triple H wins it. And I'm happy with Triple H winning it because he's one of my all-time favorites. But I just thought it was good. It could have been great with a couple of little tweaks if they'd just taken little risks where they, they just didn't take them.
0: This is the big question I've been asking a lot of people this this week. I've been asking guests on my podcast, friends, uh, people that I know who are wrestling fans. Just because something is predictable, does that mean that it can't be a good story? Mo?
2: Absolutely not, no. Um, no, we've, We've got to bear in mind that we perhaps pay more attention to and some of the backstage going on and things that are being set up behind the scenes, um, then your average fan. So your average fan, they would have had no idea that AJ Styles would turn up on TV or that Sami Zayn would appear uh, or that Triple H would return to the match, even though anyone who's paying attention online uh, saw that he was one to seven odds on uh, to win the Rumble match, um, which is always a a giveaway for um, the the big pay-per-views for the WWE uh, when you see the betting odds um, in the hours before the show. Um, So no, it's not a bad thing that things are predictable um, because they're not booking for the likes of us to find out about stuff. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it's uh, for, for your average audience, um, it, it, uh, average kind of view, it, it was um, unpredictable in, in certain respects. Um, but, no, sometimes just doing the obvious is good, and sometimes we criticize the WWE uh, for not doing the obvious thing. Um, so when they do the obvious thing, um, then it's good. And uh, one of the things I talked about, Um, when we've covered um, our thoughts about WrestleMania, which we'll perhaps come on to later on, is about whether Triple H and Roman Reigns need to be um, contesting over the title um, at WrestleMania. And certainly all things point in the direction of those two um, going at it in a singles match on that show. Uh, But now that he has got the title as Triple H, um, I suppose it does make sense for the title to be at stake. Um, so given that it's the obvious thing, uh, for Roman Reigns to make victorious at payback. And then that leads nicely into, um, a winner takes all, uh, match at WrestleMania.
0: Um, so, so with the fast lane thing coming up here uh, and this, just getting in this very quickly, because I know we set up on raw, um, you're going to have. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose. And the winner, of course, will emerge to face Triple H, presumably. Uh, I believe uh, that Roman Reigns, I think you're saying as well, Mo, would move forward and would be the guy to go ahead and do that. But what are they doing here with Dean Ambrose? Because Dean Ambrose is a very interesting wild card. I thought that Dean Ambrose was headed for a program with Chris Jericho because the little beat that they had, mm. I feel like there's a Jericho heel turn coming Yes. Seems now like Jericho could end up possibly doing something with Styles, uh, which we'll cover in a minute. Um, so, what what is going on here with Dean Ambrose, the Intercontinental Champion? Does he still have some part to play in what happens with Roman Reigns? Could he even find himself in the main event of WrestleMania somehow?
2: You never know. I mean, the fact that they uh, booked him to be one of the final two. Um, in in the Rumble match uh, was, was quite a notable thing in itself and um, certainly shows that in the last three, four, maybe five months, they've certainly um, changed their position on Dean Ambrose and um, certainly pushing him and protecting him in a far better way than it had been uh, for much of 2015. Um, so there's nothing to say that um, with the momentum he's now got um, that that can't lead to something... At WrestleMania, and you know, if he has a really good performance at Payback and there's a real um, kind of momentum building behind him in terms of the fan base and reactions at the shows, uh, they might even decide to go uh, change their plans and have a three way uh, with Ambrose, Reigns, and um, Triple H. So that's not beyond the realms of possibility either.
0: Dave, uh, final thoughts on this and on the Royal Rumble. Anything else you'd like to encapsulate before we move to Raw?
3: Yeah, there was one lovely moment with, with with Bray Wyatt and Triple H that I thought that's something you could build off, you know, maybe a future program. If if Triple H wants to be a little bit more active after, he obviously drops the belt and whatever, and after Wyatt comes out of whatever he does next.
1: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
3: Which I assume is Brock Lesnar beating the tar out of WrestleMania. Um, you know I enjoyed it. It was a good show. It's it's one of those really good shows that it's always it's always a B. The rumble's rarely bad um it would take appalling booking really to build to book it badly. I know they've done it a couple of times, but eight times out of ten the rumble is is pretty good. Um I I avoided everything online, avoided everything that people were saying about what was gonna happen. I knew I knew Hunter was gonna be in it. It was just obvious that Hunter was gonna be in it. Um I didn't know Styles was gonna be in it until um we obviously have a WhatsApp group um behind this podcast and there's about 25 Anfield Index members in it, and somebody I won't say who, uh, don't want to reveal sources, but somebody uh, put a message in it. A couple of, literally, probably three minutes before Styles came out, that just said AJ Styles is backstage, and me and Gags were like, "Oh my god, this is going to be unbelievable!" And then the whole, I just thought the whole Styles thing just made it for me. Been a huge fan for years. The, you know, the entrance music, the pop that he got was insane and Mo I think it was you that I saw say it and you nailed it they didn't focus enough on the crowd as he was walking to the ring the crowd were going bananas and they just kind of panned across the crowd once and then left it I was like what are you doing this is the biggest thing you've done in, in ages and you're missing the reaction of the crowd. Is it because you don't want to show off that, you know, that people are so excited about someone that isn't a WWE guy coming in? Like, what are you doing here? But I I just thought when he, once he came in, I thought his work was good. Um, I would have loved him to hit the Styles patch early, especially on Reigns. Um, but I, I I really, I thought the Styles thing just was just great. And I, you know, the whole thing was, it was a good show start to finish. Great match to start, you know, good way to end, and, um, you know, hopefully they can continue this on now. Well, let's, with see, fat, with...
0: well, let's see if they carry the momentum over then. Uh, the following night, Monday Night Raw, coming to you live from Miami, and uh, WWE started fresh the night prior to this, teasing this big announcement. There was a superstar that was going to be returning. The show in Miami, Oh gosh, who could it be? It has to be Daniel Bryan, right? I mean, that's who this has to be because it's in Miami. And oh wait, never mind. Oh oh, and by the way, there's—is that The Rock's mom sitting in the front row? No, that can't be. Well, well, come on, we're not going to spoil this WWE. The Rock's in the house, everybody. Um, so The Rock was on the show. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, the show opens with the Authority, and uh, normally when the Authority comes out and does a promo. Uh, They put everybody to sleep, and normally they're trying to sell the WWE.
3: (laughs) But Uh, it was. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure they've ever told us how much the price is, though. What (laughs) what is it? Is it
0: ten dollars?
3: Is it a ten, eleven, eleven four? Slightly less than that. Is it just a little less? But
0: I got. I got to say this much. Uh, I was actually really into this promo. I was into this opening segment, and I loved that shot of Triple H coming out on the ramp, slowly opens the suit jacket and reveals the WWE title. And you know something? It looks really good around his waist. I mean, I've got to be honest. The guy looks like a champion. It's what a champion should look like. He gets in the ring. A promo ensues. And I've got to say, it was one of the best live promos I've heard on the show in years. Triple H, once again, showing everybody why he is the game and why he's one of the greatest in a future Hall of Famer. And then... He says this, which I love, and I have this quote written down. He says this, and what he's talking about is professional wrestling in WWE. He says, this is until my dying breath, my religion, my law, and my church. Those words from Triple H. Follow Mm. that as a promo. Dave, what do you think of this?
3: You're a Uh, Triple H fan. I'm a huge fan. I always have been. I thought it was brilliant, and... I thought it was a real, like, I, I, it was, it was Paul Levesque speaking at that point. It wasn't Triple H. It was, you know, you could tell it was real. This is what this guy's life is. And for all the crap he gets, this guy has dedicated his life to this craft and has given every single inch of his body to the point where he's going to need, you know, multiple knee replacements and hip replacements and all sorts when he's done. And, you know, he he's taken himself off TV in recent years when he could have, you know, he could still be the main event guy if he wanted to be. He could have just hogged that position for the last few years and played into what everybody has to say about him. But he hasn't. He's stepped back. He's. I think he's been really good for the business over the last few years. The NXT thing obviously is brilliant. I thought this moment, seeing him with the belt, he's in it. He looks great. And just those words—that was just—I was just like, Do you know what? This is why I still watch this. Like, this is why I don't just watch the pay-per-views. This is why I, I I stay up and watch Raw on a Monday night because it's it's stuff like this. When they get it right, when he gets it right, it's it's worth watching.
0: Yeah, I have to agree hundred percent, Mo. Uh, what 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 did you think of what we saw from Triple H and The Authority to open this thing up?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a fine promo. I thought he was trying to send a message as well. Um, sometimes I like to do that when they come out and cut these types of promos. Uh, maybe it's a message to the guys in developmental, maybe even to some of the guys on the main roster. Say, look, you know, if you want to be in this spot, um, this is how you need to respect mm. um, the business, respect the position, and, and take it seriously.
3: And Possibly a message to the people. Outside the WWE, who had uh, come out and said previously that Hunter might selfishly put the belt on himself in the Rumble, because certain people had said that.
0: Well, yeah, yes. and, 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 and I would say to that too. I mean, I, I know that there are people that have this perception that, um, well, here he is. Here's here's the Booker putting putting the title on himself again. You realize this guy basically runs the company, right? I mean, he, it's that he doesn't have to put himself over. Um, They're in a position right now where WWE has done a poor job in the main roster of building main event talent from their mid-card and building upper mid-card talent from the people that should be their enhancement talent. But in NXT, all they're doing is creating stars down there. And Triple H is almost 100% exclusively responsible for doing that. So, once again, he's providing a solution, this time on the main roster. And the solution is, we need somebody to work with Roman Reigns. WWE has decided Roman Reigns is going to be the guy. He's going to be the next guy. Well, who better to get out the best of Roman Reigns than Triple H? And if Roman Reigns still can't rise to the occasion after this, then I think they're probably going to know whether or not this guy really is somebody that they can give the ball to and he'll run with it for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah, I agree. I uh... agree. You know, he's um, ideally placed to put uh, Roman Reigns over. And, you know, he had. Um, sorry, we've seen other people in the past who've had um, veterans put over the younger guys um, to build them up. And, um, you know, some of the likes of John Cena and Dave Batista, when they first emerged and became world champions for the first time, needed um, those veterans to be there to put them over and to help um, add a bit of credibility to them as champions. And um, they learned from them in terms of having programs with them. So hopefully the same will happen for uh, Roman Reigns. Obviously, uh, for the last um, 18 months or so, uh, the only real veteran he's had to work with is Brock Lesnar, and even he is a part-timer who comes and goes. And The rest of the time, he's had to work with people who've been... um, not all that experienced in terms of working um, headline positions. So Triple H will hopefully um, rub off on Roman Reigns and Reigns will come out all the better for it.
0: A couple of more uh, things really quick to hit on with Monday Night Raw before we we talk in depth about two two big highlights, in my opinion. Kevin Owens uh, and Dolph Ziggler had a short match. Owens, props to him for coming out and still selling the injuries that he sustained from the Royal Rumble 24 hours ago. A true professional there. Uh, we also found out that Bo Dallas is a better lyricist than Flo Rida. Um, and uh, now let's get into uh, the real business. This was advertised to open Monday Night Raw. I literally couldn't believe my fucking eyes when I saw this. AJ Styles versus Chris Jericho on Monday Night Raw. I mean, how hyped were you guys when you saw this and this was actually going to happen on Monday Night Raw? It's
3: It's one of those dream matches that... Uh... You know, you, you think back for the last 10 years that if you were putting together a dream pay-per-view from, you know, everybody that was out there in WWE, TNA, uh, and the guys from Japan that you'd know, this was one of the matches that you'd just go, that's that's a five-star match. Styles and Jericho are flawless. They have Styles, not no pun intended, that, they can basically pull a good match out of anybody. This, the it can be nothing other than amazing.
2: Yeah. um, Styles, um, seeing him out there was almost surreal. Um, it's been so long, so many years in the making uh, for him to finally arrive in the WWE and see him actually, uh, have a match on Monday night. Raw. (laughs) <laughs> As I say, it was slightly strange, almost. Uh, and that said, it was it was a very good match. Uh, didn't think it was an amazing match by any means, but uh, certainly for what it needed to be, um, it achieved his uh, objective. And uh, Styles came over very strong. Certainly seemed over with the audience. Uh, Jericho. You know, a very experienced hand uh, wasn't going to go out there and uh, make Styles look bad. Um, what was interesting, though, is um, Styles actually looked quite tiny, almost uh, next to Chris Jericho. I mean, Jericho is somebody I've never ever seen as being a particularly huge or massive guy. Yet, you know, when they were stood next to each other, even though height-wise they're only maybe an inch or two apart, um, certainly in terms of um, their you know, uh, breadth and width, and um, just general size. And Jericho looked a lot bigger than AJ. And you know, normally when I've watched AJ, whether it's in Japan or TNA or in Honor, um, he, he looks like a quite a uh, sizeable, uh, well put together guy. Um, and he was the same actually at the Rumble. Um, obviously, when he first came out, um, faced up to Roman Reigns, looked tiny again. Um, so hopefully that won't hurt him because there are still. Um, Many uh, members of what we keep on hearing is the WWE universe who judge talents based on size. Obviously that's now diminishing as a company is trying to educate its fan bases, except um, rest of all shapes and sizes. But, um, you know, there are still some of those people that are in that mindset. Well, this guy looks quite small. Um, he can't be any good. Um, so, but I'd like to think that um, you know, the majority of the audience is, is wise to that sort of um, outdated thinking.
0: Just, just a couple of things I want to say very quickly about this. Number one, um, uh, in regards to the match, I was hyped to the moon for this match. I thought the matchup overall was slightly underwhelming. Um, I also noticed in the match, if you go back and watch this, you can actually see, you read Chris Jericho's lips at one point, uh, a few minutes into this thing, AJ Styles is hitting him with some knife edge chops, and Jericho says to him, "Come on, you can hit me harder than that." Um, and I noticed that Jericho was no was was non selling some of the chops, so I don't know if it was a uh, a little bit of hazing in there, a little bit of friendly hazing, or perhaps um, uh, he you know he was asking Styles to sort of step up the intensity a little bit. So I think AJ Styles still has to kind of work into. WWE a little bit. I mean, this is only his second match, his first singles match on WWE television. Um, one thing I would say, though, in regards to the size thing, Mo. Um, while I'd like to think that WWE is trying to educate its fan base on the fact that stars can be all shapes and sizes, if that was the case, then why would why was the um, why were the forces repelling against Daniel Bryan so much? If, if, if because I think that's something that But the powers that be in WWE, especially the ones that are really making the decisions, they still have, as you've described in the past, this size fetish when it comes to these guys. And and I think that's part of the reason why the future of the company is being built around Roman Reigns. Look, Roman Reigns is not a tremendous worker. Um, He's good enough. It's like I said before about Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella will not out-wrestle her opponent for 60 minutes, but she's pleasant to look at. She's charismatic. She could cut a promo. She's good enough. Hogan was good enough. Here's AJ Styles, a guy that could wrestle every single night, Broadway, 60 minutes. He could do it seven days a week if he wanted to. He's in tremendous physical condition. He's charismatic, and he's one of the best workers in the world. But my fear is is that that will not be enough in WWE, even in 2016, to get this guy into the main event picture for a long period of time. And I think that's a huge mistake for WWE going forward because I don't even think that they realize what they have here in AJ Styles. If you listen to that pop, if you go back and you listen to that reaction from Royal Rumble and the way that place exploded. I I, I said this the other day on my other podcast. It's on par with Jericho's debut in 99 in terms of reaction. I haven't heard a pop like that since 99. And those people didn't even know who was coming. And then, boom. AJ Styles and the POP. So I think WWE needs to take advantage of what they have here. Because when they say he's the hottest free agent in pro wrestling, it's actually true.
2: Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, you make a great point. And I think it would be really interesting to see um, where AJ Styles is by the end of this year. If he's just another guy on the roster, then what it tells us is Vince still... Pulls the strings um, and Triple H's actual influence within the company, despite his position within the WWE, isn't uh, as influential as um, he, he might like people to think. And that ultimately, you know, if Vince doesn't like someone, then no matter how much Triple H likes them, um, they won't become a true headline act and won't be um, somebody that the company will be built around. Um, So if AJ Styles does happen to be somebody who gets a world title run this year and the company really gets behind and is credibly booked, then you could actually say that, well, actually things are changing now and Triple H's voice is being heard. But if that's not the case and um, it's very much the bigger guys like Reigns and maybe even Strowman, um, the and the years the dominant guys in the company um, in terms of spots within the pecking order, then you'd have to say that, yeah, it's still Vince very much um, flexing his uh, size fish once again and, uh, you know, that reigns supreme. And that would be a crying shame because – you know, as, If you look at the NXT roster, they've got loads of small guys in there and they've actively, actively been recruiting some of the best in the talent, most of whom are under six foot tall. And um, So if, if that's the way the company wants to go in terms of recruitment, yet when they get to the main roster, they're not given a chance, then it begs the question, why recruit the small guys in the first place? You
0: know, and the last thing uh, I, I just want to say about this real quick, and then Dave, if you have anything to say, feel free mm. to jump in here is the fact that um, WWE is consistently trying to create more realism in its product. They've done it by bringing Mauro Ranallo in and calling calling SmackDown now. Of course, he's from Showtime Boxing. He's called MMA as well. Um, They are doing it by having a referee at ringside from time to time that will check on talents. If someone's bleeding, they're putting gloves on, all of these other things. You want to inject a sense of realism. It's time for WWE to get away from the idea that only giants can be in the main event picture. UFC's most profitable draw right now is a guy named Conor McGregor, and he's a one hundred fifty-five pound featherweight.
2: Mm. And number two, and number sorry, and number okay. two is Ronda
3: Rousey. Ronda Rousey, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, and the biggest draws in boxing for the last ten years have been Floyd Mayweather. And Manny Pacquiao, yeah, because these are the best guys; they're the most talented, and the most exciting.
0: Hey, you know, AJ Styles offers WWE something that it hasn't had in a long time: somebody that can deliver the type of WrestleMania moments that a Shawn Michaels could. Now,
3: yes, I know there are some people
0: that are gonna that, that are gonna hate. We'll
3: say that's sacrilegious, but it's true. It's true.
0: It's true. Mm. He's just as good a worker. If mm. you if you if you look at his body of work over his career, it, it's it's not his fault that WWE didn't pull the trigger on him sooner. This is the situation that he's in now. Here he is. He's 38 years old, and now he's in WWE. Make the most of him while you have him because you have a window, and it's about a four-year window at best mm. to get everything that you can out of this guy. So, I mean, the guy the guy debuts, his all of his T-shirts sell out off the website in in five or six hours that tells you what this guy can bring to the table for you.
3: Yeah, and, and they have to, like, they, they need to push this guy to the moon because the fans will follow, because, like, look at the reaction. This is, it does, it's been crying out for this. I think he, he could be, you know, um, the benefit of, you know the benefiter of circumstances here because of the cry to bring back Daniel Bryan. Everybody wants that great, undersized, brilliant worker, now, he doesn't have the, the support that Brian has, but the, the, like, he can build that if his work is good enough, and it will be because he just is that good. There's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be the main guy for the next couple of years. I mean, he could have great matches with everybody. Think of like him and Owens, him and Ambrose, him and Rollins when he comes back.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what, what, what I think is going to be his ace in the hole that, will, that I think will propel him to the main event picture. A returning and healthy John Cena. I think John Cena yeah. wants to work with AJ Styles. You saw his Instagram post that he put out uh, when the rumors were still circling about whether Styles had actually signed or not. Uh, he puts out a picture of AJ Styles, a, a print of him on his Instagram. Cena wants to do business with Styles. He wants to work with Styles, and I think it's 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 both a selfish thing a non selfish thing. So
3: there's a little bit a little bit of background with them too as well. I don't know if you guys remember this, but this is going back maybe seven eight years when TNA was, when it looked like it could be a a real alternative for that kind of week and a half. And a lot of people were saying, well, the the top guy in WWE is Cena, the top guy in TNA is Styles, and Styles is clearly a far better wrestler and all this stuff. And obviously Cena caught wind of this, and he came out and said, well, you know, can he tell a story, or is he all just about the high flying? Can he really work? Can he work here? And Styles made some comment. I can't remember what it was, but it died off after that. So there is a little bit of history with the two of them that if the WWE wanted, they could maybe play into maybe set it up as a rivalry. But you're right. He could work with Cena, but he could work with Lesnar. He could work with anybody, but they like, they can't just shut off these smaller guys. Cause another guy that they've signed who is in my view, equally as good in ring as Styles is Austin Aries. Oh, absolutely! who's a phenomenal worker now again unfortunately they've probably got him at the tail tail end of his prime these are guys they should have gotten in five six eight years ago you know they've gotten them in a little bit late but there's still a number of good years of good work left in these guys um can woody has mentioned braun Strowman earlier on what's the over under before we hear people chant you can't wrestle to him because like he he's terrible I'm like he he's he's, he's,
0: and there are people he's there, the, he's great Kylie level yeah there, and there are people out there who are suggesting that he's going to work uh, the Undertaker at mm. WrestleMania oh, yeah. if if Braun Strowman is booked to work the Undertaker at WrestleMania I will eat my shoe I, I will if watch I'm on this podcast I will do a video <laughs> podcast via Skype for the world to see and I will I will <laughs> eat my shoe I'll put some butter on it. <laughs> and I will eat it. It's not going to happen. Braun Strowman isn't working. It would be terrible period ever. What is he going to do? The man hasn't had a singles match yet on television.
3: Um, he'd hug him, push him over, uh, lift him up, drop him down, and, and, prob- of- and probably paralyze the poor and this man. Hurt,
2: yeah, exactly. hurt him, Yeah.
3: And this is part of the size fetish
0: thing that, that most talked about on the show in the past, um, and that I'm talking about right now is. Braun Strowman looks like a monster, and I get it, yeah. and that's fine, but have him be an enforcer on the outside of the ring, and, and and that's it. The fact that he's been such a focal point of, of what the Wyatts are doing and what's going on in a main event program right now and Brock Lesnar, I think is a crime. The guy, yeah. the guy's not ready for it, and he hasn't earned it. Not yeah. nearly as much as some of these other guys. And, and, if, and if he ends up working The Undertaker at WrestleMania and AJ Styles is opening mm. the show... There are real problems with how they're structuring wrestling.
3: Wouldn't that be a match for Mania, Styles and Taker? That,
2: that would be
3: such that it. could be special. Like as as Matt was talking, I was thinking in my head, I'd love to see Finn Balor against Taker. Like yeah. the Demon Balor against Taker could be just incredible. And then yeah, Styles. Like as he said, Styles was like Styles. Styles is the obvious one to work with Taker. Like, it shoots Styles to the moon. You put him over Taker. It's probably Taker's last match. Put him over. And, like, they, they would have an incredible match together. Now, I think we all probably agree that's probably going to be Taker and Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I hope agree, not. I
0: agree, but,
3: <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see it again. I think it is a nice idea to have them go out together, maybe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, just the low point of Monday Night Raw. Since you brought up Kane, real quick, did either of
0: you see Kane work Bray uh, Wyatt on Monday Night? Was, uh,
3: I, was, I wasn't aware you. that was working.
0: <laughs> yes, well, a very good point, Dave. Because from what I saw, the man couldn't even take Sister Abigail. I oh. mean, it was it was an it was an awful match. Kane's got to go. With all hmm. due respect to Kane, he's a future Hall of Famer. Thanks for playing, but he's got to go.
3: Yeah. Great run, yeah. great run, never quite got maybe the title run he deserved, but it's so it's over, yeah, and it's been over for a little while the 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 little run he had with Rollins that was nice, Rollins was able to carry him as good a worker as Bray is, he's no. not nearly the worker Rollins is. So it just it, – it, no, it, it just, just go away. Take him Nothing away. Happens. And there's a bunch of them. Like there is. There's a bunch of those guys that are hanging around. Big Show, Mark Henry, you know, just just go away. All he is. Well, one more thing we have to talk about
0: very quickly before we move on regarding Monday Night Raw is, of course, the surprise return, surprise, end quote, uh, quote end quote, <laughs> surprise of uh, Wayne The Rock Johnson, uh, so Rich Brennan sent out to to this limousine. Someone's been sitting in this limousine now for half an hour. I don't know what they're doing in there. Um, and The Miz comes out, which I thought was pretty funny. And then out of nowhere, a pickup truck shows up. It's The Rock. The Rock tosses his keys to The Miz, tells him to park his car. I thought that was fantastic. Um, does a little shtick backstage. Has a nice moment with Lana as well. And um, the man just commands so much respect and adoration of of the fans. I mean, not just being in Miami, of course, his hometown, but, I mean, anywhere this guy goes, you can clearly tell the star power. One of the things that really stood out to me, we talked about Triple H and how he opened the show and then how The Rock comes into that show and seems to command it. When we talk about guys from the Attitude Era and for the kids that have never seen it before, this is what it was like. These guys are not some myth. OK, they had the total package. And there was a time mm. when I mean, there was a time when WWE, I remember I was watching, I think, the uh, the 98 or 99 Rumble. And I'm looking at all of the people that are in this Rumble and I'm thinking to myself, my God, there's a Hall of Famer, future Hall yeah. of Famer, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. It was incredible. It was an incredible time to be a wrestling fan. So it was a real treat to see The Rock. The Rock comes out, does some some stick with the fans uh, talks to Macho Man Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan made an appearance as well. They, they, they moved these fans who were on the hard cam uh, to the other side. The Rock acknowledges them any, uh, anyway. I saw someone on Twitter tweeting, uh, somebody better check on Vince. <laughs> well, all <laughs> this is going on. Um, and then The New Day come out and uh, had a very special moment with The Rock as well before the Usos intervened. So I thought it was very entertaining. I didn't think the segment ran too long because The Rock, as far as I'm concerned, could stay on as much as he wanted. My only gripe with this, and this is where I want to turn to you guys, is do you feel like this was a missed opportunity by WWE? Because The Rock makes an appearance and confirms once again that he will be a part of WrestleMania 32. But we don't know what he'll be doing at WrestleMania 32. And I thought if for anything, maybe you interject him in the Rowan Reigns Triple H uh, issue somehow. Instead, they have him out there with the New Day and the Usos. Mo?
2: Yeah I thought it was an uh, amazing Segment he was really really good A one off in terms of charisma There's just nobody like him there probably never Will be um, you know, Only he could get away and make it Entertaining to just interview some random Fans in fancy dress I mean if um, some other guy On the roster anyone else on the roster try that It would just completely die um, But the rock's charisma um, Is just so immense he can do anything And it'll be entertaining Um in a way, it felt like a missed opportunity to use that moment and use that opportunity to create more intrigue for WrestleMania by saying, look, this is what The Rock could be doing, or potentially doing at WrestleMania, um, and having him just do a segment with New Day, entertaining as it was, um, doesn't really seem to set anything up, um, for, for the big show. Um, so yeah, it was a missed opportunity, especially given the rating. I think it was about 18% up on last week's rating. Um, it was around 4 million viewers, uh, about 3.1 rating, 3.2 is really, really good. Uh, obviously no NFL this week as well. So that helped. Um, I suppose the only kind of upside is that fans now having seen rock and the fact that he mentioned he will be at WrestleMania might then start tuning in in the lead up to WrestleMania to see what he might be up to come the big show. Um, so, whereas if he just gave it away um, on last night's show, then it could be that, okay, we know what he's up to, so we'll just wait to WrestleMania. So maybe that, that was part of the thinking as well, that, okay, uh, maybe if they keep on watching Raw to see if The Rock turns up, um, then that might help with ratings. Dave,
0: what did you think of uh, The Rock's appearance? Was it, was it a missed opportunity or not?
3: It was, um, absolutely. I mean, it was great to see him. Um, I thought, I thought they had an opportunity again, though, to set something up, as you guys were saying. But like, I mean, we 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 all we'd heard for ages was, it was it's going to be Rock against Brock, and that's what they're going to do with the rest at WrestleMania. And it made so much sense for that to happen, but you know, they never they never went that way. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to. So, like, he came out. It was fun. It was you know, I enjoyed the bit actually, you know, with the, with the new day, I thought that was great. I thought it, it's, it worked really well. Um, but as I look at it, I, I'm struggling to think what he's going to do at Mania. But then what I had a look at was Taker's WrestleMania records. And the one big name that's missing off Taker's WrestleMania record is the rock.
0: Mm. Mm. Interesting.
3: Ooh, and I did Yeah, I, I never realized that they hadn't faced each other. I like, I, I don't know how it slipped my mind, but I looked at it today, and I was like, they've never faced each other at WrestleMania. Maybe that's the direction. Now I've now suggested a couple of matches for Taker, so he could be very busy that <laughs> night. But that, for me, if it is to be Taker's last match, there's there's nothing bigger than Taker versus Rock. There's just nothing bigger because. Rock turns up once or twice a year, and he's the biggest thing in the industry. Taker is the last remaining legend, like Triple H is back in the ring now, but Taker is the last one of that era. So for me, that would make so much sense. It's It, it, it could be the worst match ever, and people would love it.
0: Well, I'm still not convinced that The Rock is going to work at WrestleMania. I mean, I think he obviously he's going to be involved in some way. I, it probably
3: depends if he has a movie to plug.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the the thing is, is that uh, right now he has a couple of movies that are in pre production, um, and he's still filming HBO's Ballers as well. And I don't know what his commitments are to these studios in terms of what they will they will allow him to do while he's under contract with them. You have to remember the injuries that he sustained at WrestleMania 29. Uh, after wrestling with John Cena, so I don't know if it's um, if, if, if it's even in The Rock's hands whether or not he can mm-hmm. make the decision or if his his hands are tied. So he will be involved in some way, but whether or not he's the man to retire The Undertaker, I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see it happen. It would certainly be more exciting than Undertaker working Kane. At WrestleMania, um, I really hope WWE has something else up their sleeve. A four-corners match
3: with the three of us and Taker would be more exciting and entertaining <laughs> than The Undertaker and Kane. Oh, mm. so,
0: uh, perhaps Undertaker faces Isaac Yankum at, at WrestleMania.
3: I uh, don't there's a match. I don't even rather fake him. Diesel.
0: Yeah, or Fake. <laughs> there you go. There's a
3: shout. <laughs> the the, the run-in from Fake, fake Razor. <laughs>
0: Um, Well, listen, uh, overall, guys, what did you think of Monday Night Raw in terms of uh, did you think it continued the momentum of Royal Rumble?
2: Um, Yes, I think it was an overall good show, um, certainly highlighted by um, the Brock's appearance, um, albeit that was a a bit of a throwaway segment, which doesn't necessarily lead into anything uh, for next week. Um, But overall, um, certainly a good show. And um, set things up nicely for um, for payback. And um, so, so that's good. Uh, that, oh, that, that's I've twice
3: I, now. I think I've been calling
2: it paybacks. Fastlane, there you go. <laughs> uh, getting senile in my old age. Uh, so, yeah,
3: Fastlane. Uh, what do you think, <laughs> Neil? Yay or nay on um, that Yeah, good show. Um, a far better show than a lot of what we've seen recently. Um, carried some some and storylines on nicely. Maybe didn't carry certain ones on the way they could have, but, you know, all in all, very hard to complain. I thought from start to finish, it was a solid show with, with, you know, some really good high points and not many low points, Bar Kane and Bray, which was, you know, it was was there. (laughs) 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 Kane was there too, and, you know. All right, well, based on based
0: on what we uh, we've seen so far from the Royal Rumble from Monday night raw here is the big question before we adjourn tonight gentlemen do you buy or sell on wrestlemania 32 what we know about the card so far what we perceive is going to happen with this thing mo i will start with you buying or selling wrestlemania 32
2: well i've got to say right now i'm on the fence Um, You know, I thought the Rumble was a good show. I thought uh, Monday Night Raw was a good show. Um, But all we can really say for sure, uh, not even 100%, though, is that the main event is likely to be Triple H versus Roman Reigns for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, That in itself is a very, very good match and something that I'm sure – they'll build to very nicely over the next couple of months. Uh, but other than that, I'm really um, struggling to see where they go with the show. They've certainly got the talent uh, to put together a, a tremendous show, um, but this is go- This should be their biggest WrestleMania of all time. Certainly it'll be their biggest attended WrestleMania in terms of a legitimate number. They always talked about WrestleMania three, att- uh, having an attendance of 93,000 and the actual attendance was 78. This will legitimately have in the region of 100,000 fans at the event.
0: Are you, so, saying, are you saying that they exaggerated their attendance numbers?
2: Uh, that's possible. <laughs> it's not like them to, to do that. But they, Hol- they,
0: Hogan has told us repeatedly about how he pressed Andre the Giant over his head.
2: And he weighed 700 pounds.
3: People. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the all-time great <laughs> moments, it was, was Hogan, before he'd do any well, you know his his slam is like he'd make the gorilla press motion. Yes. It's like you, you've never gorilla pressed anybody in your life. Put your <laughs> hands down. <laughs> don't you're don't not you, the well, don't you're you not the warrior. The do
0: that. Don't you walk into the gym and you just you know you you hulk up and you just, <laughs> just start lifting
3: him. guys above your head like it's very strange <laughs> yeah. but um yeah that's that's always been one of Hogan's great things I mean <laughs> some of Hogan's career took place in his head um which you know bless are <laughs> you mean
0: um, like when he was playing for Metallica
3: yeah well hopefully what I would like is for the rest of his involvement of, in, in wrestling to take place in his head as well because I don't think he plays left for him after, after you know everything but um I'll be honest. I, I'm gonna. I'm buying Mania now, regardless, because well, here's the thing: Triple H and Reigns, if they build it properly, has the potential to be great. But they need to make sure that the match that those two have is the match that Triple H and Orton should have had a few years back. Remember when they did that angle, yeah. um, where, where Orton, um, you know, assaulted Steph
0: WrestleMania twenty-five, and it
3: built in yeah that's the one and it built and built and built and it it should have been this absolute barn burner of a match where they just went at each other and destroyed each other and beat lumps out of each other but instead they went for this slow paced almost methodical dance of a, of a match and it was great don't get me wrong it was a tremendous match but it just lacked the intensity that it, it that the build up had i think this match can have that inten- intensity um, I agree with what you guys said earlier. Reigns isn't a great worker, but he's a, he's a decent worker. He's willing. He learns quickly. He he can be led to a great match, and there's very few that can lead better than Triple H. So I think that's got the potential to be great. It's probably going to be Taker's last match, so that's a must-watch for any real wrestling fan. We're going to see most likely AJ Styles in a, a big match, his first WrestleMania That'll be huge. Um there's there's potential for great matches all over the card. Anything Kevin Owens is going to be involved in will be incredible. Um Ambrose as well. So I think I think it will be very hard for them to mess this up. Or if they get another and you know, we touch wood on this one, if if there's another, you know, rash of, of bad injuries. Um but I actually like the fact that there'll be no Cena. I like the fact that there may not be an Orton. Um, I, I kind of like that because I think they, they force them guys into spots where others are more deserving and others will, will give a better performance on that day. So I'm all in on Mania to be totally honest.
0: I think this is going to be a WrestleMania transition uh, in, in a lot of ways. As you pointed out, there will be stars that will not be involved in this. Cena will not work WrestleMania. I don't care what anybody says. It's six to nine months to rehab that he tries to come back before he could end his career. Orton, He's going to be out for another, I think, 16 months. Um, so we're not going to see Randy Orton. We are we are going to see WWE having to fill gaps. Mm. And whether they, And whether they do that short term until they can get these guys back or whether they will finally embrace this, um, this idea or this ideology of building stars within their company the way that they used to and let it happen organically, I think it can be a, a very special moment for them. So for that reason, I'm going to buy it. Um, I'm excited about uh, the direction they're going with some things. Other things I'm still on the fence with. But the fact that we're going to have AJ Styles potentially involved in WrestleMania makes me excited. The fact that Triple H uh, is in the main event of WrestleMania I think is is what's best for business. And um, I just hope that they don't pair The Undertaker with Kane. For God's sake, don't do it. Don't do it. I would rather take her, come out, and just cut a live promo for the house, and they count it as a match. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather that.
3: Yeah, just a curtain call. Exactly. That would be be a hundred times better than seeing them against, yeah. you know, Kane, Kane. Strowman. Like the, the the nightmare scenario is that it's Strowman, and that just that would be especially if it's his last match to go out looking at the lights against that pink who has zero wrestling ability would be, it would be a disgraceful end to one of the all-time great runs. Maybe the all-time great run.
0: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Well, let us know what you think. Sorry. We couldn't get to any of the the, uh, Twitter questions and comments tonight, but uh, you can tweet at PW underscore index on Twitter. That's at PW underscore index on Twitter to participate in the show next week. One thing I want to point out really quickly before we get into our shameless plugs is if you have the L-Ray network tomorrow night is the season 2 premiere of Lucha Underground and it looks in the words of Booker T good so you got to check it out L-Ray <laughs> network Lucha Underground and here's something fascinating guys that actually turned me on the fact that the debut was happening tomorrow night I didn't think it was until next week and WWE won't be happy about this the cast of Lucha Underground is being featured on Sports Center tonight here in America. And I know WWE's relationship with SportsCenter and ESPN and Jonathan Coachman. They can't be happy about that. There were some reports recently that WWE was actually trying to buy up all of Lucha Underground's talent so that a season two couldn't even happen. And, of course, the season two also includes Rey Mysterio. So
3: it's
0: going to be very cool. Hopefully I can catch it. Um, I don't know if you get the uh, the L Ray Network over there in the UK, but uh, if you do, Mo, or can find somehow, we, we'll talk about yeah. it a little
2: bit next. week. Yeah, I mean, we don't get the network here, but we get ways of watching the show. Okay. So, uh, Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'll certainly be watching it. it. Was one of my favorite shows of 2015. Uh, was voted second best wrestling uh, weekly wrestling show of 2015 in the Wrestling Observer Awards this past week as well. Um, so that showed you how uh, higher quality wrestling show it is. Very different. To to anything you see from the wwe um, but a very very well put together television product and i think season two will be uh, tremendous so uh for anyone who can watch it um i certainly suggest you try and track it then because it will great
0: absolutely award winning as well um all right guys here we go it's shameless plug time mo the book we need an update man what's going on
2: <laughs> well, I'm working on chapter 43, um, and it's um, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking might need a bit of a major rewrite, so um, I might need to refer back to 41 and 42 and um, to... Pitch 43 in just the right way. Um, But that aside, um, I attended my first domestic wrestling show um, in four years, uh, Progress Wrestling, who I plugged last week, and I had a fantastic live event called um, Get This Chat Shit. Get Banged, uh, which is the catchphrase of a a certain Jamie Vardy. And, um, you know, it it was certainly a banging show. It was just tremendous, capped off by an unbelievable main event uh, between um, the villain Marty Skrull and somebody who I rate as one of the hottest young talents, if not the hottest young talent in the entire business, Will Ospreay. Um, A five-star match, genuinely one of the matches of the year, and um, I was just amazed by it. It was, it was incredible. Um, so, again, if anyone can track them down, um, they've got an on-demand service. And so I urge you to, to uh, check them out.
0: Do they have uh, – are you aware? Do they have any any clips or anything like that on YouTube that people can look at as well?
2: They have got a YouTube channel and um, they might have got a few full length matches from um, earlier shows um, but they certainly have highlight videos on there as well Um, It's a very well uh, run company Um, It's got a certain ECW vibe about it in that its fan base is fanatical about the promotion Um, It's quite incredible actually I've I've not seen anything like it in the wrestling business since the days of ECW um, in terms of the way in which the fan base and the promotion is almost at one. Um, it's something the WWE can actually learn quite a lot from, um, and it's something that they've cultivated really well. So albeit it's a small-scale indie promotion, um, the events it runs are always sold out. And um, uh, in terms of uh, crowd atmosphere, uh, there, there's nothing like it in wrestling. Awesome, man. Well, I'll have to come over and... Uh... Check it out sometime. I'll bring Brad Gilmore with me. I know how much he loves ECW. So, <laughs> the man who said there's nothing that ever came, nothing good ever came out of ECW. He did. Those, are his, words. Those yeah. are his words. You can tweet him at Brad Gilmore. Let him know. <laughs> uh,
3: Dave, send send him all your abuse.
0: Yes. Uh, Dave Hendrick, thank you again, my friend, for joining us on the Pro Wrestling Index. Uh, you have a lot going on as always. You want to share it with the listeners.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, so I do All In Sports Talk with Steve Gennaro. Uh, you can find us at Twitter, at All In Sports Talk. Uh, weekly show every Thursday, um, and we're trying to work in daily shows as and when we have time. Uh, tomorrow, I'm recording the first of my new podcast on the Anfield Index. Uh, it's going to be called Another Podcast with Dave Hendrick. And uh, big podcast to start with. I've got Alexi, I'm going to murder his surname, Yaroshevsky. Uh, He's a reporter for RT and he's a commentator uh, on Eastern European football for TalkSport himself and Manuel Vetz. Manuel is the editor-in-chief of Football Grad Live, a brilliant website that covers Eastern European football. Uh, We'll be talking Liverpool, specifically Alex Teixeira. Manuel has a bit of an inside track on that deal. And... uh, We'll be talking about maybe some potential targets from the Eastern European area because these guys are experts on that. So it should be good. It should be out tomorrow night, all going well. So hopefully people will enjoy it and uh, send me your feedback on it. Thank you.
0: Awesome, man. I can't wait to listen to it. Um, All right, guys. Well, thank you again for being a part of the show. Uh, If the listeners would like to learn more about what I'm up to, you can go to MattTapolsky.com. That's my website. Uh, I'm the host of Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. Uh, and call commentary alongside my uh, my arch nemesis in front of me, uh, Brad Gilmore. Uh, just kidding, Brad, love you. Um, and uh, you can find out more about that at realityofwrestling.com. We are opening our brand-new 22,000-square-foot facility in Texas City, Texas, this Saturday night. Our special guest to help us christen the night is none other than an ECW legend and WWE former WWE champion. Rob Van Dam. So he will be in the house and you can find our episodes online on our official YouTube channel weekly. We're coming up on episode 100 and I'm sure we'll be doing something special for that as well. And finally, Brad and I host a podcast on sports, sports entertainment, pop culture, and more called your opinion. Doesn't matter. It airs daily five days a week, and you can find it at opinionpodcast.com So that's it for this week on the pro wrestling index. Make sure to tweet at the show, pw underscore index, for questions and comments. Thanks to Gags, as always, for the platform. And we'll yeah, all,
3: all, all criticism to be spent sent to at Gags. <laughs> um, all negative feedback. He really enjoys that kind of stuff. All positive feedback sent to us, but all negative stuff sent to Gags. Uh,
0: yeah, that, that, that's Dave's recommendation, not mine. <laughs> <laughs>